In Bible college, I came across a, a book in the library called The Awesome Power of the Listening Ear. And I got to say, it was one of the most revolutionary books I had read up to that point in my life. I took the book out. It was a small book. There wasn't a lot in there. But what it did have was very powerful. In fact, I felt that after I had read that book, I had discovered a superpower. And that superpower was this. When you sit and listen to somebody, when you engage with somebody, when you open your heart and your mind up to somebody, something very special happens between you and that person. A connection is established. And suddenly the person who is pouring their heart out to you feels that you are their friend, that you actually care about them, yes, and maybe even love them. You become the person that people want to go to when they're feeling sad, when they're feeling happy, when they've got something that they need to say. I had learned how to listen, and I would, I would actually uh, try experiments with people. I would sit down with the, with the express purpose of just allowing people to talk to see what would happen. It got to the point that my room was the place where uh, a lot of the kids would drop into in the evening if they had something they needed to talk about, especially if they had problems. And everybody knows that when you're 18, 19, 20, you have a lot of problems. My room became like a counseling room, and I was the resident psychologist. It got so bad that I started getting stressed out about it a little bit because I didn't really know how to deal with this superpower yet. And the president of the Bible college had to take me out for, for coffee to say, Alan, we appreciate the way that you are ministering to the, your fellow students, but uh, you're here to, to get your diploma, and you should really probably leave the counseling to us. Such is the power of the listening ear. This morning, we're talking about the fifth tool in our toolbox. You'll notice some of the tools around here. Uh, these are not the tools that are going to help you with your relationships, but they certainly signify and help us understand that there's certain things that we just cannot do if we don't have the right tools. We're talking about why can't we be friends. And over the last number of weeks, we've been digging into the relationship toolbox and pulling out different tools that help us have great relationships. Well, the tool that we're going to be discussing today and looking at and using is called the tool of listening to other people. Why can't we be friends? Probably because we don't listen to each other. Why can't you be friends with your spouse? Why are you struggling in your relationship with your spouse, with your kids, with your friends, maybe with your workmates? It's because you're, there's a good chance you're not a good listener. Now, here's what I know about everybody here today. Everybody here thinks, I'm a decent listener. I'm a pretty good listener. But we're going to give you an opportunity later on, and I'm not going to tell you about it yet, where you are going to have an opportunity this week to discover what kind of a listener you are. But more about that in a few minutes. First of all, what I want to do is I want to talk about the different types of listeners. When I, when I use the term listener, I'm using that term very loosely indeed, as you'll see. So here's the first kind of listener, or so-called listener. This is the one who actually doesn't listen. You're talking, but they're not listening, and they frankly just don't care what you've got to say. And in fact, they're the kind that will just wait for you to stop talking so they can say whatever it is that they have to say. Sometimes they won't even stop talking. 
There's the, there's the distracted kind of listener who's sort of listening to you, catching bits and pieces, but they're the ones that if somebody walks by, it's like that. It's sort of the squirrel distracted very easily. You know what I'm talking about. They're the one, if the phone rings, a text comes in, they're checking, they're reading the text while you're talking. And they'll, they'll even have the audacity to say, well, keep going, keep talking. I'm just, I'm just checking my texts. How many have ever had that happen? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. There are those who think it's normal for everyone to talk at once. I've been to oh, many, many situations over the years in a room full of people where everybody's talking at the same time. And then you, you go away from a, a, a gathering like that and you feel really, really lonely, like you didn't really connect with anybody. Then there's the fifth kind of listener, and here's the one who thinks he's a lawyer or she's a lawyer. They're listening to the words that you're speaking. They're not listening to your heart, but they're analyzing every word that comes out of your mouth. And they really think, and they start cross-examining you. Well, what did you mean by that word? And what does that word mean? And that really doesn't make sense. And your, your grammar's off. That kind of, you've ever had that? They don't hear, they're not hearing your heart. They're just hearing words. And they're trying to make a judgment call. Nothing in this life, I think, is more diminishing than being with somebody who doesn't care about what's in your heart, who doesn't care about what you've got to say. One of the greatest problems in all relationships is that we simply don't listen to each other or we only get bits and pieces and it creates arguments, it creates fights, and we find ourselves in a vicious cycle. James understood that. Look what it says in James 1, 19 to 20. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So let's look at this problem for a moment, this problem that, that all of us faces. And in fact, it's a problem that many of us would be guilty of, and that's not listening. There's a cycle here. James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. What happens with so many of us is that we are slow to listen, we're quick to speak, and we're quick to become angry. Somebody is telling us something, and we interrupt them because we want to address the first words that have come out of their mouth, and we are quick to speak, we're not quick to listen, and because now we've misunderstood, we've, got, we've become confused, then we become angry. And now the other person is trying to, trying to set us straight, trying to tell us, hey, you misunderstood. And you, no, you know, you said that. And I heard you say that. And now you're getting becoming more angry and you're listening even less and you're talking more. And next thing you know, the whole thing is erupted into a major battle. You have not been listening to, other, to each other. You've been talking too much and you become angry. I see this happening all the time. James says that this cycle, which ends in anger, does not produce the godliness or the righteousness that God desires. 
Now, one of the things that anybody that goes to this, to this church understands is that I am a pastor who likes to be very practical in my approach to Christianity. It's practical Christianity. It's, it's where the rubber meets the road. It's a Christianity that applies to day-to-day living, moment-by-moment living. We talked about the seven habits. We talked about holiness, moment-by-moment holiness. This is what we're talking about here, a holiness, a righteousness that God desires. So how are we going to be holy in our relationships? Well, first of all, let's look what Solomon the wise says in Proverbs 18, verse 3. 13, 18, 13. He says, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. How many know today that we've got a lot of shameful and foolish things going on in our home every day, and, and it just flows out of a lack of listening to each other? I was uh, excited about taking my family on a trip to Fargo, and we just got our brand new van, and we were assured and reassured by our dealership that if anything should happen to the vehicle, that they'd be there for us, they'd take care of us, and that they loved us, and that we were as close to them as family. Uh, They really pitched it well, and I believed it well. We get to, to a place just outside of Grand Forks. Remember our destination is? Fargo. We're not even at Grand Forks yet. We stopped for a potty break. Everybody knows what that is. And I'm getting back into the vehicle, and I notice that under our car is a pool of, I was going to say blood, but it was oil. I was furious. Here we are. We've got only just a few days to relax with the family, and now I've got a car problem. And if anybody knows what a car problem is like, that usually consumes a weekend. So I got on the phone and I called these guys, my dealership. First of all, I had a hard time reaching them, but I finally did connect. And I'm frustrated, I'm upset, I'm angry. And I said to the guy, look, we're in trouble and we need help. And he began by saying this. He says, this is not covered by your warranty, but the dealership will take care of it. Now, here's my problem. I heard this is not covered by warranty. I did not hear the dealership would take care of it. So what do I do? Because now I am... Could you put that other verse back up again, please? Because now I am slow to listen and quick to speak and definitely quick to become angry. I'm having a little confession here, folks, of how very, very human I am. I started ranting. I started yelling at this guy. You promised, and what kind of a dealership, and on and on, and I just let the poor guy have it. I really let him know that I was not a happy customer. When I finally calmed down and was worn out from screaming and being upset and was sort of now in a position to actually hear. He said, sir, let me try to tell you one more time. It's not covered by warranty. However, because you're a good customer, we're going to help you through this. There's dead silence now. 
I'm very, very embarrassed. I actually wish then that they wouldn't help me. <laughs> but said, sir, we're going to help you. We're going to call the dealership in Grand Forks. They're going to come and get your vehicle, and then we're going to give you a car to use for the rest of the weekend. Now, actually, you think about it, it was a wonderful thing. But all the way from Grand Forks to Fargo, I'm mad, I'm steaming. And Gloria, that, that angel, puts her hand on me and she says, Alan, we're still going to Fargo. We're still going to the promised land. <laughs> There's lots of shopping and movies and wonderful things. It's okay. We're all together. We're safe. It's going to be okay. When I got back to Winnipeg, I phoned the dealership. And I said, I have to apologize to you for my behavior. I, it, was, it, it was so, so unacceptable. And I was so wrong. I, I feel utterly humiliated uh, by myself. And I ask you to forgive me. And the guy said, oh, don't worry about it. It's not a problem. We understand you're upset. And nobody wants to have that kind of problem on a, on a vacation. Now, now, they're really making it hard for me now, aren't they? I said, I said, but you don't understand. I'm a pastor. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be acting like this. And he said, don't worry about it. It's okay. That man extended incredible grace to me because he was quick to listen and slow to speak and definitely slow to become angry. I would say that so much of the anger that you experience in your marriage and in your family and especially with your kids is, is because of this cycle. You are slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to become angry. And if you would learn, if we would learn to keep our mouths shut and listen, we would discover that a lot of the confusion and the mix-ups and the misunderstandings are simply caused because we are not paying attention. James, I think, actually the epistle of James is probably one of my most favorite epistles. It is such practical theology. In fact, I would suggest to everybody when you're done today, go home and read the book of James. But it just gives clear step-by-step -step instructions as to how to live this Christian life. Now, what is it that Jesus told us that we need to do if we're going to really honor God? We need to fulfill the great commandments, don't we? To love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second commandment is like it, which is what? Love your neighbor as yourself. You know these, these commands, don't you? Now, here's the problem with so many of us. We are really good at focusing in on and fulfilling that first command. We're serious about our walk with God, about loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We go to church on Sunday. We enter into worship. We play, oh man, we play the Christian radio station all week long. We're spiritual. We are working on our walk with God. We do our devotions every day. We are even in a small group. I am doing my thing with God. The problem is this, is that while we're good at focusing on the first commandment, we're really weak at focusing on the second, which is to love each other as we love ourselves. I'm going to say this to you. I don't really think that you can fulfill that great command if you're not fulfilling the second. In fact, if you look at the Ten Commandments, what do you find? 
you find that the first few verses, the first few commandments are all about loving God, and then the rest is about loving each other. So here's what you and I need to do if we're going to properly love God and love each other. We need to learn to listen to each other. We need to learn to keep our mouth shut. Now, I said at the beginning here, there are different kinds of people, different kinds of listeners, so-called, the kind that interrupt, the kind that are distracted, the kind that don't pay attention. I see a number of couples sitting together this morning. Girls, do you have a husband that interrupts you? Just wink at me. I'll, I'll know what that's about. <laughs> Guys, do you have a wife that doesn't stop talking? Put your hand up. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. I, oh, whoa. I wouldn't do that. I'm not crazy. Now, listen, listen. Listen. I want you to stop and consider for a moment the interactions that go on in your house. Because if we're not applying what we're hearing this morning, then this is just, it's just a lecture. It's, it's just an exercise, really, in futility. If we're not personally applying what we're hearing to our own life and to our own experience. How good are you at really listening to your children? You say that you love your kids, but yet you won't listen to them. You say that you love your spouse, but you're not really listening to your spouse. And you're certainly not listening to what's in her heart. One of the first things that I learned when I got married is that when my wife is sharing something with me, she doesn't want me to just listen to her words. She wants me to listen to her heart. I learned that really early in my marriage. And I can tell you this. My wife is an expert at hearing my heart. Those times when I'm tired and cranky and hungry, whatever, she, she hears my heart. She's a master at that. And I would say that that's the reason why after 25 years of marriage, we're happier than we've ever been in our lives. You want to have a good relationship with the people in your life? Then learn what it means to listen. I'm going to tell you, it's a superpower. You want to do well at your job? Do you want to do well in your business? Do you want to be successful in your relationship with your grandkids? Do you want to be successful with, with the people in your life? Then learn to listen and keep, keep it buttoned. Two ears to listen more than we speak because we've got just one mouth. You've heard me say that before. James 2, 17 says this. You see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. Without good deeds, it's dead and useless. So your Christianity that you're spouting off to your kids all the time, that Christianity you're spouting off to your friends at work, I'm going to tell you that if your deeds don't match your profession, your profession means nothing. In fact, if anything, you're going to give us all a bad name. You're going to make all, all of us Christians look like real dweebs. Is that a word? You know what I'm talking about. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> what kind of a listener are you? You say you love your spouse. You say you love your kids. You say you love the people you work with. But do they know it by the way you listen? So I wanted to show, share with you, and I would suggest that if you've got a pen and paper, you should write some of these um, special instructions down. I was, I was just reflecting 
as I was preparing my message for you this morning. I was reflecting on who is it in my life that I can think of that was a really good listener. And the person who popped into my mind instantly was Ron Kidd, Dr. Ron Kidd. He was one of the Bible college professors when I was there. And I just, I just sort of rehearsed in my mind a conversation I had with him at that time. And I just wrote down the things that I observed. So here they are, if you want to know how to be a good listener. Are you ready for this? Here's what, here's what he would do. First of all, he would lock his eyes on, on your eyes or my eyes. He'd look, look me in the eyes. And I'll tell you, that's in pretty intense when your professor is looking you straight in the eyes and listening. Usually the other way around. You're listening to him. Anybody remember the Peanuts comic? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, okay. But now he's, it's reversed now. He's sitting and listening to me. And I know that I know that I know that he wants to hear what's in my heart. The second thing that Ron Kidd would do is he'd be careful to ignore all distractions. So if somebody was walking by, if somebody was waving, or somebody was talking to him, he would literally ignore them. He would not respond. If somebody said, hey, Dr. Dr. Kidd, can I talk to you for a sec? He would totally ignore them like they didn't exist. His eyes were locked. And he's listening. Refusing to ignore. And as you're talking to him, he would not interrupt you. He would just listen. He would respond appropriately. He would shake his head. He would nod. He would smile. He, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you're sharing. If it's a sad story, you know, oh, man, that's too bad. But listening. Responding appropriately. Really get it, you really get the feeling that he is sympathizing or empathizing with you. And then what would happen is that uh, you would get that feeling that he had really heard your heart. Because everybody knows that when you're 18 years old, it's pretty hard to articulate your feelings and your thoughts. And you, I mean, looking back now, I know that, I mean, he would have had a steady stream of kids talking to him every day trying to articulate their thoughts and their feelings, their pain, their problems, whatever. And he would sit there and listen, and listen to the heart. And then what he would do is he would, when it came time to respond, is he would actually respond to each of the points that you were discussing when you were talking to him. And once in a while, if he had the time, there would be a bonus in the conversation, and he would actually ask questions related to whatever it is that you were talking to him about. He's a master listener. And I can tell you, every single time that I ever talked to him, I came away feeling extremely validated. He gave me a sense of worth, that I was important, that my thoughts and my feelings were, were important. And to this day... I love Dr. Kidd. I mean, we don't talk to each other on a regular basis or anything. In fact, I talked to him just a number of months ago, and I think it was a, about a one-hour, what, hour-and-a-half conversation. It was just like we picked up where we left off. Why? Because our hearts had made a connection years ago. And I don't even know if he fully understands or realizes what kind of a connection was made. So here's what you and I need to understand if we're going to be good listeners. You need to understand the difference between listening and hearing. 
Hearing is a physiological process that takes place in the body. We're created with ears to hear. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we have engaged with what we're hearing. It doesn't necessarily mean that we understand what we're hearing. It, for the most part, will again be, you know, Charlie Brown and the teacher. Wah, 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 wah. But listening is a psychological process. Your brain is engaged in listening and hearing whatever that person or that thing is saying or doing. You're paying attention. You're processing that information. If you look up the word hearing in the dictionary, you discover it's a noun. It's the faculty perceiving sound. It's, it's passive. It's, it's nothing. It's just something that happens. Listening, however, is a verb. And the definition of listening is giving one's attention to a sound. So really, when you're listening, you are actively engaged with a person who's speaking. Listening means that we're engaged. And so by definition, it means that we're interacting with that other person. And I'm going to tell you, if you want to really love somebody, if you want to really express love, if you want to really show somebody that you love them, then you will listen to them. You'll listen to their heart. I've been counseling for uh, a lot of years. And here's what my experience has shown me. If two people, when they come together with a problem, will be disciplined in their approach to one another, there's hope. But what do they need to be disciplined in? Well, firstly, they need to be disciplined in listening to each other. If they will make up their mind to really hear not just words, but hear each other's heart. And secondly, if they will seek to understand what each other is trying to say, then there's hope for that couple. They're going to make it. They'll survive. If a parent makes up her mind or his mind to listen to the child and try to understand what the child is saying, then there's a very good, good chance that that family is going to get along and get along well. They're going to survive the storms. They're going to survive the struggle. But here's the thing. If you're not listening, and if you don't seek to understand what that person is trying to say, then I don't give you any hope. There's nothing I can do for you if you're coming to me for counseling. Loving each other is actually not as complicated as you may think. Loving each other, again, is a verb. It's something that you do. And in this case, what we're asking you to do is to listen. What we've prepared for everybody is what we're calling a talking stick. And today, everybody gets one. Compliments of Adeline Thunder, who made that. Thank you, Adeline. She's hiding in the dark there. This talking stick works like this. There's instructions on it, and here's what happens. Whoever holds the stick talks. So when you go for lunch today, I would recommend you take the stick with you. And you're sitting at lunch in the restaurant, and if you're holding the stick, everybody at the table will listen to what you're going to say. It's a magic stick. And then everyone, number two, everyone has to look at the one who's talking. So in other words, if the person who's holding the stick is talking, that means you're not checking your text messages, you're not looking at squirrels, 
You're not looking at traffic. You're not looking at anything or anybody else. You're looking at the person who's doing the talking. Thirdly, you're going to pass the stick to the one who wants to speak next or who wants to respond to what you've got to say. And fourthly, you're going to empathize with the speaker, which means if the person says something funny, you're going to nod and smile. And if it's a bad joke, you're going to smile anyway. That's the power of this stick. It makes all your jokes funny. You're going to nod, and you're going to show agreement. You're going to show that you are actually listening. That's the power of this deck. I would recommend that those of you who have regular staff meetings at work take that stick with you. It's a magic stick. And you will actually get more done in your staff meeting. You'll get more done in your meetings if everybody learns to listen to each other. Dr. Martini, I recommend you use this for your Board of Governors, yet you recommend that you use it for your staff, the students, etc., etc. Now, if people don't listen to you when you're holding this stick, <laughs> it's a pretty big stick. <laughs> Please don't throw it at them. Tap lightly on the table. And they will be reminded that it's your turn to speak. This will revolutionize the way you communicate. Because here's, remember I said earlier, you're going to find out something about yourself. You're going to find out what kind of a listener you are or are not. You're going to discover your ability to actually engage with people, to interact with people, to actually hear what's in their heart. I watched a couple leave this morning. They don't have kids, and each of them had a stick. Now you're starting to sink in, and you're starting to get this. I, I said, you both taking a stick. Does this mean that you're both going to talk at the same time? I said, or are these swords? These are not swords. You need to get in the habit of listening to each other. Last week, I had a call from a mother. And I, by the way, I asked for permission to share this with you. And she said, I'm having some trouble with one of my kids. And I really don't know what to do. Pastor, what, what, what can I do? So I gave her some advice. And here's her response. This just came in this week. She said, Pastor Allen, thanks for listening to my heart the other day. Did you hear that? Thanks for listening to my heart. And for telling me what I needed to hear and do instead of what I wanted to hear. I greatly appreciate you and what you have done for me personally and my family. I took your advice about having a cup of tea with my daughter when she came home from school on Friday. I told her to get out our special fancy teacups and saucers and that we were going to have a special time together. I told her that she was going to talk to me about school, about things that were bothering her, and things that were on her heart. I said that I would sit and listen and not speak. She set up the dining room table with a china and a few snacks, and when I came in with a teapot, there where she was sitting, no, there where the mother was sitting, was a pen and a pad of paper with the words at the top of the page, I'm going to use my daughter's name, Sarah's Problems, with numbered lines. 
And she said to her mom, she said, Mom, write down all the problems that I share with you so that you can pray about them. This is the first time this has ever happened in this family. This, this parent goes on to say this. She talked, I listened, I wrote, and then we prayed. I don't remember what the tea tasted like, or, and I didn't care what the snacks were served alongside the tea, but something changed in both of our hearts at that moment. I felt connected to her heart. We cried and prayed together and hugged. We bonded with each other. I believe that through this time, our whole family has been bonded closer to each other. The rest of the weekend was like from a movie. She behaved wonderfully, helping me with chores without so much as a grumble or a whine. She did it joyfully. We had a little bump in the road of life. Our whole family sat and talked together after this, and we cried with each other, and we cemented our time with prayer. I feel that after this weekend, with everything that has happened, that we are stronger and happier together. My daughter has since requested that we have our tea time at least once a week to talk. Thanks for your advice and your love. I can't thank you enough. Folks, you have no idea how powerful it is to listen. It's a perfect fulfillment of the law of Christ to love each other. It will cement your relationships together. And if you've got problem in your relationships, then maybe what you need to do is maybe get a small version of this as a reminder to listen twice as much as you speak. This is the fulfillment of the law of Christ. This, my friends, is practical Christianity. It's a practical theology. It will revolutionize your marriage. It will revolutionize your family life. It will revolutionize your work life. Listen. Let's stand together and pray, shall we? Father, we're so grateful and thankful for your word that gives such practical advice. We are so often guilty of hyper-spiritualizing the Christian life. We've got our heads in the cloud, our feet are off the ground, and frankly, our kids don't relate to us, our spouse doesn't relate to us, our friends at work, nobody relates to us because we forget completely that second great commandment to love each other. Father, I pray right now for everyone here today, whatever problem they may be experiencing in the relationships, that they would understand James's excellent instruction to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because God... We want to produce the righteousness that you desire. Thank you, God, for your word. And thank you for instruction from heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Tell the person beside you, would you listen to me?